Welcome back to this week's episode of the Bulletproof Dad podcast. Today's guest is Paul Nealon, founder of Irish Football Fan TV. We sit down and we have a conversation how Paul turned his passion for football into an actual viable business, how he's built up his brand, how he's built up his following, how he's made connections with some of the biggest names in football and has turned this into an actual business. So pop the headphones in and enjoy the show. The Bulletproof Dad podcast is sponsored by M50 Skip Hire. They're a local business that specializes in skip hire, but also commercial bins. So if you're involved in a small Irish business, practice to preach, look out for the small Irish businesses and get them to do your bins. So Paul Nealon from Irish Football Fan TV, you're very welcome to the Bulletproof Dad podcast. How are you, sir? I'm very good. Thank you very much for having me. Delighted to be here. I'm delighted to get you in. The reason I wanted to get you in is I've been following your page a while and it's blown me away just the growth you've had over the last while, the following you have and the quality of work that you do. And I was keen to chat to you just to kind of find out a bit like what's behind all this? Where has this come from? Is this a guy from who's a social media expert who wanted to, who's decided to go after football? Or is this just someone with a genuine football passion who has wanted to create a lifestyle and a business around this. So can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and where this has all come from? If you start maybe with the early years. Um, well, the early years, I suppose I kind of took a lot of inspiration. I would follow uh, an Everton fan channel called Toffee TV. And I was living in Canada from 2015 to 17. And I used to find that just brilliant for information because Sky Sports and stuff like that would mainly kind of focus on the bigger teams, you know, the uh, city... Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, so on. Um, and no one really kind of focused kind of on Everton. So they were just kind of the experts and they would have like a show called The Final Word where they'd go into detail on everything. And if you missed the game because you'd be getting up at like seven or eight in the morning yeah, silly on a Saturday. There, yeah. yeah, just because of the time difference. And it was just hard to, I suppose, keep up to date with everything and maybe watch the game. But they give just a brilliant analysis and then they'd have stuff all through the week. They'd have, you know, match previews and stuff like that. So again, if you're missing out on anything, they'd keep you up to date with it. And I just thought it was brilliant. I just thought everything that they did was brilliant about it. Um, so I was coming home in 2017 in March and um, I was coming back uh, that weekend and I went over for uh, a West Brom game. I was actually due to surprise my mom. She was going to that game and I was actually due to surprise her by going to the game and surprise She's a big Everton fan as well. She kind of took it on through my dad. I'll, right. I'll come to that at okay. a later stage. But um, she was basically going over with friends or whatever. But whatever way it happened, when I came home, I had to just go to the house because I, I had to go in and get some stuff. So she wasn't expecting me yeah. home anyway. So um, I stayed around then till the Monday because they usually do the shows on the Monday. So I was there from Friday, I think, till Monday. And um, I went into the studio, I remember, just kind of getting a feel for it or whatever. I've never been in a kind of studio like that before. And the way they had set it up and everything like that. And I was a bit kind of mad because I was going in and I've seen these fellas on YouTube and, and on a TV screen. So, so yeah, 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 a little bit. And um, I came in. They were nice, nicest lads ever. And they still kind of helped me to this day. I still get a voice off them and everything like that. They're just really good guys. And um, they brought me in. I remember as soon as they... The lights came on and they were they did a clap and all of a sudden we were in the show and I was like they came to me and asked me a question. I remember just freezing and just been like, oh, maybe I asked a question here. And I thought I, I was thinking to myself, I'm gonna be deadly on this show, you know, I know my stuff and whatever. Not as easy as it looks. Camera anyway, changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Um 
And then... Had you yeah. just gone in? Were you a fan being interviewed? What was the premise for you being there? I was just talking about the game. So the West Brom game we'd been at. Um, we were just going in to dissect the game, yeah. basically. And uh, I just asked them, could I come on? Because I was a Patreon member. So they, they let their members come on. Oh, cool, so, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I remember I, mi- uh, I was getting a train home to get back to my hotel or something. Or just, I can't remember... Either way, one of the guys dropped me all the way back into town from where their studios, which would have been near Liverpool Airport. So it was a good 20 minute spin. And uh, he dropped me back out and I sent him, I'd, just, I'd love to live over here. You know, I, you know, he goes, why don't you? And I just said, ah, Dublin's home to me. You know, I've just been traveling away. He goes, you could always move over. And I, and I just kind of like, I can't move over. But then I remember being in, the, in Thailand in 2016 for the Euros. And I remember just kind of, so many Irish there and um, we'd be out at, again mad o'clock uh, in the night watching the games and we were all hammered watching the games with such a great buzz and everyone singing and everything like that and I think anywhere you go in the world and you meet Irish people they're all like that you know yeah. um, so I remember just kind of thinking of that buzz was amazing and then I remember coming back and I kind of at the time, I wasn't really keeping up to date with League of Ireland. I didn't really feel like there was anything in terms of Irish football at the time when I was away and I was like there's nothing really here that kind of, when you're away, like I'd love to start up something and kind of um, keep people informed as well as obviously the people over here and maybe do, it was kind of the rise of AFTV, Fan TV, um, and this and that, interviewing fans and stuff like that. So I remember I went to uh, my dad's friend and I was kind of just trying to come up with a logo and he helped me create a logo and we were down by Tallis Stadium at the time because he worked around there. Um, and then we just started going to League of Ireland games. I was a massive Shells fan as a kid. My dad um, used to bring me to all the games. We were season ticket holders, so me and my brother, um, my cousin, my uncle, and then all of our friends would go Very as good, well. Yeah. So sometimes if my brother didn't go, my mate would go in his place under yeah. his season ticket or whatever. So like a lot of my friends, even though we're from volunteer area. How did that happen? Yeah, how did you become like... My granddad. Yeah. So my granddad was from Pierce Street and he was a massive Shells fan. Yeah. Uh, he actually played uh, under 21 he was an under-21 Irish international and he played for a number of League of Ireland clubs as well. Very good, yeah. Yeah, but he had... That's when Shells were Ring's End, was it, back in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then, over. Um, but during that period, Shells were unbelievable Yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. I had um, Own Here You sat in that yeah, seat in yeah. front of you and, like, yeah, again, my memories, my... My nana lived on Grace Park Road, just up the road from Talca Parks. So used to go to a lot of games. You park there and go down, and like that. Yeah, there was some serious players there back in the day. They had an unbelievable squad for, for especially for League of Ireland standards at the time. It was insane. Mm. I was actually lucky because uh, in transition year, I actually did a uh, work experience, and we were. It was the last time um, after winning the league, the Premier Division, and then that's obviously when things kind of went um, tits up, as you would yeah. say. Um, but Ollie Byrne was there, and he had me in. And I remember it was like my first. My first day on the job was cleaning up the bar. After. You were working with him, were you? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. it's just kind of um, I, I, I'd see little bits from him. Very yeah. nice guy. Yeah. Actually, gave me I think fifty quid at the end of the work experience, good, and, yeah. and then he goes go into the shop there and 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 basically, if you want anything, you take can it, have yeah. it. Well, it, it wasn't take it. John, I can't remember his surname. It escapes me. But he was he was working the shop, and he would give me like a scarf and a hat. But as well as that, Mick Neville was. Um, was there as well. I remember he brought me to like an Ireland underage game and then he actually brought me into the kit room and he gave me like all of the lads jerseys from that season and, and uh, I remember taking home Jason Burns uh, shirt, Stuart Burns shirt, uh, to get Glenn Crowes as well. Owen Heary was my actual favourite player at the yeah. time so I took his shirt so I was then wearing all that gear to train and I was giving one to my brother and one to Class, my cousin yeah. so everyone yeah. were kind of you know one in that scenario. So um, yeah I got I was fortunate enough to kind of work closely 
for a week with uh, with Ollie, but I always found he was a nice guy and everyone around the club um, was really nice. But kind of around the time when I started kind of hitting teenage years, uh, 15, 16, I started going out more on a Friday. So my dad would still go to the games, but he was kind of going on his own. Then he kind of stopped going as much and I would play my own football on a Sunday. So I was kind of jeopardizing my Friday and Saturday nights going, say, to League of Ireland games or whatever at that time. And then obviously when I come back to... Uh, sorry, from um, from Canada. Then I was like, I'm gonna get back into to going to games, and if I'm gonna do this, I'm, I'm gonna have to, you know, start bringing a bit of interest to the League of Ireland and stuff like that. But I remember, I remember uh, we were kind of doing a, a couple of videos. I had a friend of mine, Glenn. Um, he was living locally, and he was like, oh, I'd love to kind of get involved or whatever. So I remember we went over to the local football club in, in Dundrum, and um, we did a, a couple of videos. I remember couldn't even speak. Literally couldn't trying to do the first video, being like introduction to what it is. What were you trying to do? Were you trying to interview players? Or you no, just, just literally just chatting. So two of us side by side, and we were chatting to a camera, going, yeah. "Hi, I'm Paul Nealon, and this is Glenn O'Brien." And uh, yeah, we just we kept messing up. I think we must have done about ten takes. Eventually, we did it. Then we started kind of getting fans in and we started kind of doing like League of Ireland previews, this, that, and the other. That's well, where you started first of all was the League of Ireland. That's where you focused on to begin with mostly? Or? And our, well, and our, uh, because we would have like um, the international team. So yeah. I think we played Mexico and a couple of other um, teams and stuff like that. But basically the production wasn't very good. It was a camera and it was a a, a, a Zoom mic uh, that was just kind of sitting in between us. Uh, and we had a couple of Premier League jerseys behind us and all just to kind of give you it You had a little studio set up like, had you? Yeah, it was a table, a couple of jerseys and newspapers. Where and, were you based, was it? Uh, yeah. Just Dundrum Football yeah. Club, a guy, Shane O'Kelly. Oh, sorry, that's what was in the club. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. so a guy answer. called Shane O'Kelly, who, who who actually I'd be very good friends with now, really, really uh, top man. Um, he allowed us to, because I went to him, I remember having to call over to his house and I said, look, I have this idea. Um, is there any chance we could we could film out of here? Um if if it's not too much of a hassle for you. And he was like, yeah, yeah, no problem or whatever. And uh, he's kind of watched the whole journey grow. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's been he's been amazing in terms of if ever I need anything. He became a good friend of mine as well at the, at the same time. And uh, I got to know the whole family very well. His young fella is a, a huge Irish football fan. His, his young fella actually went viral. Um, he has autism. And I remember after one of the games, Martin O'Neill, um, we drew nil nil with uh, Northern Ireland, right? And I remember he gave an interview with me after the game. But apparently he was he was um, he was having kind of not I wouldn't say a fit, but like he was uh, he was having a moment or an episode. Yeah. And apparently his man was telling me that after he did the interview with me, it was when he completely switched up and he was fine after that. But his interview because he was so well spoken for a young he was only yeah. thirteen or fourteen yeah. at the time and. He was like saying how bad it was, you know, we were boring, horrendous. I remember it went into the paper, it was on the radio, went completely yeah, viral. Yeah. And I just thought it was funny because Shane was the first guy who who gave us a chance to do anything. And then his son was the one going viral. So I just yeah. thought that was a cool moment. And uh, it's, it's, it's young lad Tiernan now, he actually, uh, he runs like a horse race in... Um, Instagram page and he interviews okay, all the all the jockeys. So and stuff. similar ethos to what you're doing, but in the horse racing scene. In a yeah. sense, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's he's really he's really good at it. So um I was delighted to kind of see him kind of go on and he's Class, he's, yeah. he's about obviously 18 you've had an influence there and some some part of that like as well. You've, that? Your, you've obviously had an influence there in some some degree if you've seen what you're doing. Maybe, yeah. Mm. Um but uh sorry, just to, so we were doing basic videos in there and yeah, uh that kind of that kind of started then the 
I'm not going to say abuse, but people were just saying, oh, that's terrible. And I would never watch that type of stuff. So, what was it like? What like what was it? Was were you ha- were people having to go with you because of the production quality? Because like what what were can you? Re- I'm surely there's some you can probably remember in the early stages. Some comments or some. They just said it was, get that. They just said it was the worst thing that they've ever seen, and they'd never watch it. Um, <laughs> Good constructive feedback there. A lot you in, can do with that. In a sense, as as probably as angry as it got me at the time, is I probably needed to be told that so I could improve. Yeah, and at the same time. I needed that chip on my shoulder to say, right, well, I'm going to show you. I'm going to make a success of this. And that that really drove me on. Was that I, the natural reaction or was there an element of what am I doing this for? I'm getting loads of criticism. I'm not no, really getting I, anything for this. Or I tell you what, I think living in Canada changed my mindset because I don't think I would have started this if I was living in Ireland. Because I lived in Canada where they, if you did something that was outside the norm, you, you get credit for it. Yeah. If you do something in Ireland... And it said, he's an idiot. He's a weirdo. That's yeah. shit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the, the, the mindset was different because I came straight from Canada. Mm. So I think that was a big thing that kind of went, I'm going to do this. And, I, and as I said, I was watching the lads do it with Toffee TV. There was nothing like it in Ireland. Yeah. Um, nothing came close to it. And and uh, at the same time, I wasn't really coming at this in a journalistic type type of way. It kind of fell into that yeah. as, as time went on. But my hope was to try and get players on in the long term and they would enjoy coming on, mm. have the crack, and it wasn't very serious. You know, we wanted to show the human Real side fan of football. Perspective, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So it wasn't like, uh, and it's so hard to get that trust off players. Mm. Like so hard. Um, but I'm sure we'll come to that. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it's it, it was that kind of the start of that that kind of drove me. Right, I have to get better at this one, and two, I have to, you know, the, the quality does have to improve mm. if it's going to be taken seriously mm. as well. But I was constantly in touch with the lads off Toffee TV going, how do you do this? Yeah, and I'm looking yeah. at them and they're two, three, four years down the line of, of yeah. what they do. I, I think that's a huge point to make. Like you're not just a delusional fan who has a dream. You're watching someone else doing it who's a couple of years ahead of you and you know what's possible. And again, you're linking in with them and asking them for feedback and asking for them for, for advice. Like I think you need to be, as you said, self-aware that, yeah, I'm getting criticism. Okay, this needs to be improved. You don't, you're not too sensitive with it, the harsh feedback you're getting. Like, as you said, sometimes it's the worst thing they've ever seen. Like, again, that, well, I that did, I did at the time. I, I, I remember just, because there were local people who yeah. I didn't actually like, but it was just, I'm going to show you. Yeah. Like, you're going to regret what you said there. Yeah. Brilliant. The longer. So that was the fuel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah that's the right word. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but I think then as well, you have that humbleness to be able to ask for help. And to be able to go to someone who's doing it and go, look, can you show me this? Can you help me with this? How do you do this? And I think that's huge. I think like it, that's something I've learned over the years with running business as well and trying to grow what I'm doing. There's people out there that are further along the journey than you. Find them, identify them and ask them for help. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And I think that's exactly what you've done there, which is class. So having now moved on a couple of years, you've, you've got over that initial stage of being the worst, in inverted commas, the worst thing that people have ever seen. And you're getting the feedback from the average. Probably still am to some people. Right. <laughs> you, listen, you're never going to please everybody. And to be honest, if you're doing stuff right, you should be getting some level of criticism. You know, that's a sign you're doing stuff right. I had Rory Stories in that chair a while back and he mentioned <laughs> the same thing. Like he gets a lot of it. And you're probably similar to him in a lot of ways. He's a te- You're technically doing something that probably a lot of people have thought about in the past and could technically, oh, I could do that, I could do that, I could do that. But no one ever, they didn't bother their ass to get up and do it. Whereas you have and you've gone after it and possibly your success reminds those people that you know, it maybe puts a mirror on them that they don't like seeing sometimes. So that's probably something you can't control that. That's their business, not yours. But having moved on a few years from that, like what's actually, like how did you start to improve? What are the changes you made to start kind of building this following that you have now? Well, equipment, number one. Yeah. 
I remember when Mick McCarthy got appointed um, manager for the second time. Yeah, the second time, time, sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, but I remember going to that press conference. Was that 2018, 2019, something like that, was it? Um, uh, 2018, I think. Okay. Or maybe, uh, yeah, 2018, I think. That one might have been November 2017. I can't remember. Um, it was in around November, though. Um, I think it might have been November 2018. So Martin O'Neill was in charge before that. Didn't really get much access. And actually, funny, sorry, just this will tie into this, but uh, John Delaney, I know everybody hates him, um, and I'm not a huge fan of him, but what I will say is that he came into, Dundrum had him down in the clubhouse. Yeah. And I got talking to him. And... Um, he actually kind of arranged for me to kind of get in media-wise to get yeah, like okay, a media yeah. pass and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so Which that, would have been massive for you at the time, yeah. Yeah, well, I, well, I got my kind of first taste for it, sorry, actually, um, was United played, um, it was at Sampdoria or something, in the Aviva. Oh, I remember that, Mourinho yeah. was in charge yeah. and Matic had just signed. Yeah. Um, and Klopp, uh, maybe Liverpool played Sampdoria, maybe it was, and I think Man United and Napoli or, or something like that anyway. But United and Liverpool were both over and I remember I got access to, to those games. Yeah. And because uh, a guy from the Mirror uh, got in touch with me and said, oh, you should you should try go about doing this uh, through media accreditation. Okay. So I was like, all right, okay. So I applied for it and I got it. And I was I was actually surprised I got it. But um, then after that or whatever, I remember getting into the mix zone. I didn't know myself. There's Matic there and you're kind of getting videos of Matic talking and stuff like that. And then it's kind of like... How does that look like if you're someone else there with a camera and you're there with a microphone? No, just me. Right. Um, no, just me. Um, but then... Uh, off the off the back of that, uh, I remember we were in the drum and John Delaney came in. and I was talking away to. I was actually more talking to his kind of security guard at the time, Bobby, I think his name was. And uh, I was asking him, I was like, oh, "Do you think we could get something maybe with a player?" Blah blah blah. And then um, I sent him an email, and then he he put down for me to kind of be put on a media list. So then I started getting stuff on the, uh, uh, through the media, and I was getting into the games, and I was working at the games mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Then Mick McCarthy came in, just to go back to your uh, point, so the equipment. I was literally standing there with a phone in one hand, shaking about the interview. Mick McCarthy, don't forget, when I was growing up watching football, uh, Mick McCarthy was was the first manager. Yeah. yeah. Not Jack Charles. Yeah. Same, so, I'm, I'm similar age bracket to you. What, yeah. what age are you? 33. Yeah, I'm 35. So again, like my yeah. early proper memories are with, with Mick McCarthy. So, so Mick was a hero of mine as well. Uh, and he's a very intimidating man as well. Um, especially if you're kind of going in. So I'm there with that. I have, a, I have a microphone attached to the phone. So I'm kind of standing there shaking, trying to interview him and, and, and doing that. And I remember people like, oh, your, your camera's very shaky. Oh, you're this, you're that. It's like, all right, okay. So I need to prove again. So I've, I, a friend of mine actually gave me a loan of his camera. Luke Doherty was his name. He's actually passed away since. Um, really nice guy. Um, but he used to give me a loan of the camera. And then he'd be like, oh, yeah, you can use it, take it, whatever you want. So I used to bring that with me and I'd get the press conferences and stuff like that out in Abbottstown. All the stuff started to improve. We were doing fan interviews and stuff like that. Um, and we were starting to kind of get a bit of traction. And it was then kind of, still kind of getting abuse going, oh, you know, you're, I remember getting stuff sent, like people on forums and stuff like that. People be sending me stuff. I said to them, just stop sending me stuff. Yeah, I, don't like, say it, yeah. I don't care. Like, they're not saying anything that's helpful. All they say, oh, he's no charisma. He's no, he's, a, he's, he, uh, just crappy stuff like that. Like, it doesn't even, it's not constructive, constructive, uh, constructive yeah, criticism. It's just it, criticism. Yeah. It's just, you know, I, I don't like him. He's an idiot. He's full of himself. He's this, he's that. These are people that don't know me. And then you get people saying, uh, oh, 
you should have seen, I saw that fella at the match and you should have seen what he said to this young fella. And I was like, I wouldn't speak to anybody at the game. So I don't know what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. You know what I mean? Just trying to make up lies yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just strange. But That's odd, yeah. Um, I was going to all the games and I'm starting to kind of get to know uh, a lot of the players and stuff like that. And then I just remember I started reaching out to people. I remember I got uh, Shane Supple on and then actually a couple of guys who you've had sitting in here like Owen Heary and uh, Dinny Corcoran. I know I used to travel into town and I would do like an interview with them or I'd get, I had a set up as well. So they would come to me sometimes, which Shane did and Owen did. Dermot Keeley did as well, who actually was my old maths teacher, which is funny. Oh, yeah, that's gas, yeah. Yeah, yeah, in the leaving cert. So he wasn't there that much because he was too busy trying to get <laughs> Shell's players, you know, sign players. Um, so, sorry, just take a quick drink of yeah, that. Take your time. Um, so yeah, uh, I was getting all these people on and then it just kind of started to, to grow legs then and then I started getting other people on and then I remember the kind of moment where things start kind of shifting um, in a better sense was um, Darren Randolph had his academy uh, so Rand's academy and the people that were running that I remember I just contacted them I remember seeing an ad for it or something like mm -hmm. that and I was like hey how's it going blah 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 we have a decent following I would love to come down and maybe do something with Darren or if, if we could and maybe promote your um, academy at the same yeah. time um, so they were like, yeah, great, come down, blah, blah, blah. So he came down and I met Darren. I remember being a bit starstruck at the time, uh, but he's so cool. Like, he's the coolest man ever. He's from Wicklow, was he? Bray. Bray, yeah. Yeah, well, you yeah. can call it Wicklow. Yeah. It depends um, what side of Bray yeah. you are, really, Dublin or Wicklow. Um, so. But he was just so cool, down to earth or whatever. And actually, we did the interview and there was like a... Uh, uh, what's it called? Air conditioning unit or something off in the background. Yeah. And I didn't realize at the time. And uh, if you did the interview, it was a really good interview and everything went went well. And then I went back and listened to it and the, the, the um, air conditioning thing just kind of ruined it a little, little bit. But um, we were, remember we were going out on a story and stuff like that. And then off the back of that, then we started kind of getting access to other players. And I remember um, the same people were doing an academy for Wes Hulham. Yeah. And Wes doesn't do any videos at all. So well, he does, a, it's only just social media or anything. Does he does he? do he does, but he has a he's a private right. kind of he, he likes to kind of keep yeah. things private. Um so I had Wes, yeah, I had Wes on and like nobody you, you very rarely see Wes on a video. Yeah. yeah. And uh so I did a video for him and it was kind of promoting his academy and then talking about his memories and stuff like that. And uh kind of got their trust him and him and then uh uh Darren as well. So then when COVID hit. I remember Darren came on, we did like a Zoom call and again, the, the, the audio and stuff like that was terrible for the first couple and then I eventually kind of fixed it up but we were starting to get players following us on COVID and stuff like that so Darren Randolph led to John Egan, to Shane Duffy, to Aaron Connolly after he'd scored the goals against Spurs and then you had uh, Connor Howrahan, um, Jason Malumbi, loads of them came These on. guys were all jumping on a Zoom with you to do an interview, was it? During COVID, they had nothing, yeah, well, I, seen all I'm saying is they had nothing else to do. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was COVID and they weren't allowed to train or anything. But uh, no, they were all brilliant with their time. Yeah, but that's a good sign of a pivot by you as well though. Because like again, your whole initial thing was going to meet people in person and interview them. So that was obviously scuppered. And rather than feeling sorry for yourself, you then you, you pivoted onto Zoom and in a way it actually created a bigger opportunity for you because it gave you access to people that you mightn't have had access to before, you know. So again, there's a good lesson in that. Yeah, but yeah. It, 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 and then it opened up other doors. I remember we got Liam Brady on and uh, we were doing like a documentary type thing and, and Mick had literally just been let go by the FAI and Stephen came in and 
we got Mick on and he was like chatting away to whatever. Still actually at that moment in time where he just finished up, like uh, I think he was, I think I think he was done. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's like that's so he came on, yeah, but big, he yeah. but he liked me because yeah. when I used to, I used to come out and um, and talk to him or whatever things, and I'd always say to him, I was like, I'm not looking for a headline off you, Mick. Like I genuinely just want to talk to you, yeah. excited for the game yeah. and, and stuff like that. Uh, but still, like even to this day, like I'd still sometimes text Mick. I'll you know I'll. Sometimes I'll send him a happy Christmas message or something like yeah. that, or I'll send him a uh, a message if he gets a new job, just mm. saying good luck. Now, if he gets sacked or whatever, I tend not to bother him, you know, because you don't know what way that yeah. he's taken. So, um, but I'm just very grateful for him as a man, because again, that's someone who I grew up idolizing because he t- he took Ireland to first World Cup exactly, of my yeah. memory yeah. when I became a fan. You know, I went, my first game was 1998. We beat Croatia. I think Dennis Irwin's got a penalty. And that was my first ever. That was, was the hooked. first game of qualifying campaign, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. 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 So I was hooked after that. But well, I was hooked after the '98 World Cup. Yeah. So that's when I got into football. But Mick was the manager, kind of coming in after that. So for me, he'll always be someone who I who I looked up to and stuff like that, and I always respect. Yeah. Um. So to kind of keep good terms with yeah, him to have a relationship with someone that was a hero of yours as a child is pretty cool yeah yeah. because well, it was because he can be spiky with like the media and stuff like that yeah. and it was around then obviously Ireland weren't doing they haven't been doing too well for a long time like let's not, let's be honest but uh, he was always very good with his, with his time and he always kind of knew I remember actually we actually got um, asked over by the London Supporters Club to do an interview with Mick the London Irish Supporters Club. Yes, um, the uh, Martin Prendergast uh, runs it. He'll go mad at me now for, for forgetting the name of it. But sorry, Martin. There's a Republic of Ireland London uh, Supporters Group, and uh, they're near Luton. The Clattering was was the place. So yeah. at least I got that bit right. But um, he he brought Mick along. So my job was to interview Mick at this thing in front of a crowd. Yeah, not in front of a crowd, but in front of a a it was in a little kind of hallway because we kind of wanted to do it kind of in private but okay. it wasn't in private but again uh audio issues i was coming home on the flight and the audio that i had on the mic i stupidly somehow because i would sync up the audio on my phone to an audio on a camera and stupidly i managed to delete the audio when i was deleting memory off my phone to try and make and i deleted the Sick, audio man, and, yeah. the, and i was like i'm so sorry to the lads because yeah. they flew me over yeah yeah i'd even got tickets for arsenal and watford and i had two mates with me and like and i felt so bad now i managed to like just put subtitles over and we had the video but i felt so bad because um and i just remember mick slagging me the whole time <laughs> uh for wearing white jeans yeah and uh it's nothing to do with the audio because he wouldn't have known about it that's it was, a bit of a fashion statement to be fair white jeans no i way. was yeah it was all the rage back then <laughs> but um he he was just really really nice and he came up to me at the end of the night or whatever pat me on the back and i said I'm, I'm heading off i'll see you later uh enjoy your guinness and i was like that's just that's Sound, a touch yeah. of class yeah. like you know there so um yeah, so I learned from those mistakes of audio not working and stuff like that. So I think you definitely learn more from your mistakes and stuff like that as well. I think I've made mistakes in terms of business as well because I used to have players in, or not players, sorry, uh, I used to have lads in who'd be helping or whatever. And I think I used to get frustrated at how much that they didn't care as much as I did, not realizing that like they're not getting paid for it. Yeah, like, yeah. And th- they were doing whatever suited them and that's fine. But I didn't. I didn't see it that way at the time. Mm. But again, it's uh, it's about learning and kind of 
knowing your, your kind of way and stuff like that. I think every business person is guilty of that at some stage, you know, because again, it's, it's, this is pure passion on you. You've created this, you've built this. You're never going to get that same level of, of buy-in from someone who's, you know, coming in, especially if they're not even getting away, as you said, yeah. you know. But again, you want the best for what you're doing so you can understand where that, that clash can happen sometimes, you know, it's perfectly natural. So you just mentioned there about like, when we go back over that, like that's grown a hell of a lot in the space of a couple of years there. You're literally interviewing all the main players within the Irish international squad, uh, the manager, like you've gone pretty much to the top people within the organization that you're trying to cover, which is the Irish um, soccer team, essentially. How how does this then start to grow as a business side of things? And how, like, again, is there, are you getting sponsorship coming in to help you fund this? Are you not getting paid and you're trying to work it behind the scenes to keep this all going? Because it sounds like a hell of a lot of work for what you're doing to keep this going. Yeah, um, well, I, I would get minimal sponsorships maybe once a year um, and that would only cover for a small fraction of a couple of months or whatever. And it was never really a, a big fee un, until probably most recently. Um, but back then, I was kind of, I, I, again, I, I was smart about kind of how I operated and how I used to get into place. Like I did an interview with Rio Ferdinand because uh, I got him through an agent and he was doing something up in Belfast and he goes, hey, look, can you come up and promote this event? Rio Ferdinand's been there. And I was like, well, I'll come up, but like, can I get like even two minutes with Rio? Yeah. Like, so I went up. Uh, it wasn't the easiest to get Rio. Um, his PR guy wasn't wasn't the friendliest. Um, and someone had cut across me as I was, I had the whole thing set up and I was waiting for Rio to come in and these people just completely cut across me, grabbed them sat him down in the spot that I had ready and arranged with a camera, everything ready to go and took him and they spent 15 minutes and that would have been my 15 minutes. Yeah. And I was pleading with the PR guy the whole time this was going on saying, you know, can I get something? And I'm like, I'm after coming all the way up from Dublin yeah. to promote this event for you guys. Yeah. I said, like, what's two minutes to you, really? So eventually he gave me the two minutes. I remember being so flustered and it just wasn't. What did you ask him? I just was asking about Roy Keane and Robbie Keane. <laughs> yeah, I had to keep it some sort yeah, of Irish angle, you know. Find a connection. Um, yeah. And John, o, maybe John O'Shea as well. Uh, but and then there was like a half an hour clip where he was talking about Ferguson and stuff like that. So I recorded that whole stuff as well, but it wasn't really relevant to what I was doing. But either way, I got that. And then I remember Ireland were playing Switzerland, and Mick was in charge there. And uh, I was coming back from the press conference, and someone sent, mentioned that Gary Neville was going to be in the Marker Hotel with. Uh, Cadbury's right. and the Premier League trophy and stuff like yeah. that so I was like alright how do I how do I go about um, maybe trying to get into that yeah. so the uh, the lad gave me the the email so I emailed this PR company and they were like yeah come along so the next day I remember my friend was over what, what does the email look like are you approaching them saying look I have this page I have this follow well I'm, I'm in the media at the stages yeah. and I'm in the media accreditation okay. so I have like I'm, I'm seen as kind of professional okay. so uh, I'm not just some raving lunatic running around on your phone <laughs> yeah yeah. so I think I'd, I think I would always kind of hi how's it going you know nice and friendly and here's a couple of links to what I do you know, yeah. I, might, I might have, might have linked the Rio one I think that happened before then um, I think so I did that and then they were like, yeah, come along, blah, blah, blah. I remember my friend actually came over from Canada and it was so weird because he didn't message me till the Sunday saying he was coming over and I, and he was like, oh, by the way, I'm coming to Dublin. And I was like, why didn't you tell me this a couple of months ago? I said, I'm very busy week. I'm playing Switzerland and, you know, I'm going to be flat out. So anyway, he came. We had the best week ever. He was in the Switzerland end, or city Ireland end. Remember when David McGoldrick scored a header right. against uh, Switzerland, the equaliser? A clean hit across, hit off someone's back and uh, Goldrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It was a looping cross for the header. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, he he's he scored the header, and my friend was actually in the in the singing section, and he yeah. never like he's not yeah. a real soccer fan, as you would say. <laughs> uh, but that week as well, so we were out the night before, and we had the Neville, uh, the Neville. Inter- he came with me and met Gary, and he didn't even know who he was. Did you get the interview, Gary Neville? Yeah, 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 I got about again. 10 was it a Roy Keane, Robbie Keane thing, or we have bit of, a bit of that? But he was kind of he just kind of went into. Um, he was talking about the Premier League managers like Klopp and Pochettino and all the difference and why the Premier League is, is the way it is because it was a Premier League event yeah. and that really kind of snowballed things then as well after that point and I remember then Troy Parrott was coming up at the under-21 scene and Aaron Connolly and we played a game against Armenia and I got a couple of chats with them at yeah. the under-21s media thing um, after the game and it was literally a couple of weeks before Connolly kind of became big so this is kind of all before the COVID stuff Um and actually, the week of COVID, I was actually over doing something well with Femi in London. So right, I got, yeah. got brought over yeah. with my friend, who actually has become one of my best friends now. Um, he he was working with his agent. So we went over, I was playing a PlayStation game with Oba Femi. We were doing an interview with him. And uh, that was when he was kind of coming on as a late sub and scoring goal. So I was getting all these players and stuff like that. And I was like, it was brilliant. Like, I, I was loving it. Uh, and then kind of COVID hit. So again, you're kind of thinking, going, oh, well, uh, you know, what can we do here? And I remember just getting down on that led to, a few, you know, a few more of them. But again, I was just kind of, I was always, I was always kind of on my phone and I was always kind of uh, ready for the next thing. So kind of from a business, from a business um, point of view, I know you're kind of saying I wasn't making money or anything like that. Like I wasn't, like I, I was doing all this. You were off building a brand though and you were building yeah. a following and all these interviews, the clips you had were going up on your Instagram page. Yeah. People were following that. You obviously have a YouTube account yeah, as well. Yeah. So that's where the following comes. And then that gives you then, I suppose you're building a network there as well, which is huge. And that leads to the next person, next person. So there's a lot of momentum building in terms of the brand, in terms of the, the, the access you're getting. But yeah, I suppose that was the question. Like, if this yeah. is all still, while it's cool, you're getting nice feedback and well done, Paul, this is class. This is really interesting. It's not really a, in a quote unquote, um, a real job just yet, is it? How are you? Just a quick reminder that this podcast is sponsored by M50 Skips. So if you're doing a spring clean at home at the moment, make sure you give them a shout. They're a local business based in Santry. Give them a shout. Mention the Bulletproof Dad podcast and they'll give you a 10% discount on your next skip hire. Uh, Well, I actually left. So I was working in Sky uh, and I was working in Harvey Norman before I, I quit them jobs. I, uh, I couldn't. I just hated the jobs. Yeah. I remember getting laughed out of the jobs saying that I'm gonna I'm leaving and I'm making a go of this yeah. and I was completely laughed at the place like hey, yeah. both places yeah. um, now I'd only started when I was in Sky I was only, I'd only start but I remember like Again, even, can you even think back to how you felt when that was coming was it the same attitude as before I'm gonna show these or yeah well it was kind of all because again those comments kind of came in around the start now, and I remember leaving and the guy who who was my team leader at the time uh, just harassing me the whole time and I was just like, I'm just, I'm, I can't deal with this. Like, I was having nightmares uh, about going in the next day mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Just because, you know, if someone didn't uh, take an offer off Sky or whatever, I was, the, I was the bad guy. You know, okay, yeah, yeah. I was working in retention. Like, um, so I hated that, but I loved the atmosphere. I loved kind of being around that those types of people. I was all young, my age. Mm-hmm. You know, it was good social scene and everything like that. And I think if I had I had a different team leader, I probably would have stayed on. But anyway, I don't want to get into that. Um, then similar situation in Harvey Norman. I'm not a sales guy. I'd be a team player. Mm. I always have been. So that's very much for 
someone who's mad into sales and stuff like that. Like you, 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 you're greedy. How far, when you decide to leave these jobs, how far? That was 2018. You? So, so you hadn't like what was the following like on the Instagram page, for example? When you, it was all right. It wasn't um, just for perspective. You're sitting roughly around forty thousand followers now, which is massive. Yeah, but about, that's just Instagram. Page. Like the whole, I think across the whole lot, I added them up yesterday. It's about 116 thousand across uh, the audience. It's class yeah. if you add it all up. Yeah. TikTok, YouTube, and so on. Um, but uh, at the time, it wasn't it wasn't huge. But I knew I was on something. Like I believed in myself, and I believed in what I was doing. And a big part of that was my mom. She, you know, she didn't go to me. Oh, you have to get out and get a job. She believed in what I was doing. Um, so that kind of was was allowing me to kind of um, not worry about kind of rent and stuff like mm. that. So. Uh, as much now, I did pay my rent and stuff like that. But I remember, I was uh, I was on social welfare. Then I was uh, I had to leave that, and I was, uh, I was going out doing delivery driving just to pay you know bills like mm. my phone bill and give my mom some rent and stuff like that. It wasn't uh, like at the time. Yeah, I'm interviewing Gary Neville, but then later on that day, I'm going out and I'm doing you know delivery driving around <laughs> the area and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? And people are going, oh, you you're your man and. You start kind of getting recognized and stuff like that. And again, I didn't really know how to take that. Yeah. I was kind of like, oh, thanks. You know, awkward. I, yeah. I just didn't know how to how to kind of take it. And um, I think kind of COVID was kind of fading out a bit. And I oh, then started getting work in TV. So I was working with DIY SOS. Um, and I got that through Irish Football Hunt. Okay. So a friend of mine, Will Dalton, he works for Virgin Media. He's, his sister got on to me. And she was like, oh, I think you'd be brilliant for this. Um, and I was like, yeah, uh, let's uh, let's look at it. So I went in, had an interview. And I remember being with my nan and my auntie. And um, I was I, I was actually driving at this stage. I had uh, had enough money to get a car and stuff like that. Um, so the... But that was it. So that was RTE took you on, was it? Or was it that wasn't, no, it was mo mode of television, but they... So, they they basically give the rights to how many years are we talking from the the shaky hand man with the iPhone trying to interview Mick McCarthy to four working in TV as a media in the media side? I think I think four. I would have started last March and I would have finished up uh, around now. Yeah, uh, no, uh, not finished up. Sorry, I would have I would have been in my last episode this time last year, coming into the last episode. Uh, last year, so it would have been March 2022, so about four years. Yeah, so that's obviously something that wasn't, not probably nowhere near your radar when you first started no. this, that was going to come along. But again, it just shows you as your reputation and your brand grows, the other opportunities that can come your Well, way. I was meeting people as well. Sorry, I, um, I, I, I was doing a little bit in uh, in Virgin Media as well. Um, so I was in there doing production assistant mm -hmm. and getting the teas and the coffees for like Brian Kerr and Richard Dunn and so on. Mm -hmm. I still occasionally do that as well. Um, but then, yeah, as I say, I, I then got in here with DIY. DIY SOS and then uh, I was working with Baz and um, and the crew there so it looks I, I've just watched the show I've no idea what it's like behind the scenes but it looks a phenomenal show like the amount of people that come together for working for such a, a good cause like it looks an amazing experience and the buzz across the place just looks unreal but that that's not fabricated like the, the buzz and, and the people the people are amazing yeah. like they they just do that for the good of their yeah. health like or not for the good of their health they're just nice people mm. um I still have so many friends within that. Um, well, we did it all over, but there's so many of them that go to all the same, all the same ones, you mm. know. And they travel and they get hotels and they stay there for the twelve days or 10, 10, 12 days, whatever it is. 
and they all help out. And they're just amazing people. Like they, some of them would be friends with me for life now. I imagine it's a hard thing as a as a cameraman or like to, to capture it all because there's so much going on. Like it's a essentially it's yeah. a building site and we there's had a mad, of people walking across. We had a mad well. director, but I was I was like she would have me running around like a lunatic asking everyone to be quiet and all like and all the people would give me stick and stuff yeah. like that. but it was great I loved it because I was interacting with everybody and that's when I'm at my best yeah. because I have the crack with everybody yeah. and everything like, and the best thing is everyone's going around with their their name on their hat yeah. so if you're saying oh, Andrew you know I know who you are before you that haven't helps, even been yeah. introduced yeah. so you're going around you can just have the crack with people straight away and uh, and everyone who's kind of worked on it and stuff like that has, uh, has really enjoyed it and you know, Baz was was uh, learning from him kind of how, mm. like, I remember I spoke about being kind of awkward about people coming up to me and I kind of seen how he handled people. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying I'm ever at his level or yeah. ever will be, but just kind of seeing how he interacted with people because he'd have albums, like, stalking them up the road and <laughs> I'd have to be almost like security being like, okay, he has to go now. Um, but that was, yeah, so it was, it was cool to kind of get an insight into that life yeah. and, and, and then I worked with PDU, I know you had here as well. Um, on home rescue and did a little bit of uh, first dates as well so I was getting all this experience in production yeah. and stuff like that and that uh, that definitely kind of helped me spread my wings a bit more into different little bits um, I was updating my, my equipment so everything was looking sharp sounding sharp but that's all off your own back like so you're getting the gigs but the, the money you're getting from there a lot of it has to go reinvested into the next the next camera or the next piece of microphone because again these things to get the high quality ones they're not cheap well that's what was happening with the sponsorships yeah. so any sort of sponsorships I was getting I was just literally um, just getting a new camera yeah. so I wasn't spending it on myself you're like I haven't been on a holiday I haven't been on a holiday in six years right. because I haven't been able to afford yeah. it like I've been back and forth maybe to Liverpool or or I got to a in a way trip. I think the the closest thing that I had to a holiday was recently the the France game yeah. uh, against yeah. away there recently. And but it's technically work, I suppose. Like it yeah, was work, yeah, class, but, an amazing experience. But it was, it was the, but I was actually able to kind of chill out because it wasn't hectic work, um, and I could kind of do what I wanted on that one. So mm. it was great. It was like four days in the sun. Um, I got an Airbnb and the fellow I was staying with was brilliant and he would go for points of Guinness with me in the evening as well. Cool, as well. Yeah. So I kind of made a mate even though I didn't really know him but it was cool. But uh, that's kind of like people don't see that side of things and they're just kind of going, oh, I used to get a lot of stick for not going to away games of Irish fans. Yeah. Oh, he's not a real fan. He doesn't go to away games. That was the big thing yeah. that everybody was saying to me. Yeah. And I was just like, how do you expect me to go on away games? You, you don't know anything about me. You just see me getting content with players and people like that and but I'm not making any money here. Yeah. You know, I'm living off scraps. And as well as that, like, it was, it was like, it wasn't easy. Like, there was girls wanted me to go on dates with them and I couldn't afford to bring them on dates. And then I'm trying to, like, but you can't say, oh, I can't afford to bring you on a date. So, like, I was like, do you want to go for a coffee? Yeah. And then they're like, no, I want to go for dinner. And I was just like, oh, all right, oh, well, I can't. McDonald's down the road. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was kind of, like, passing a lot of that stuff off. Yeah, and then also, this is in, like, you're kind of priming your, your, your mid to late 20s here, isn't it? Like, when probably yeah. all your mates are doing those things, they're off working jobs, making money, buying cars, putting deposit down in houses. Yeah. Yeah, all that sort of stuff's going on in Europe. So, like, at any stage, are you kind of, did you question at any stage? Were you ever at a stage where you were going to, maybe jack it in and just get a real job or was it always a genuine thing you you had the belief there to keep this going? I'd be telling a lawyer if I didn't feel like I've, I was like, why am I doing this mm. when I'm so far into it and, just not, and I'm not, you know, I'm a, a, a reaching out to sponsors and I'm not getting a whole lot back and no one's kind of really believing in me and stuff like that. Uh, there was definitely a period of that. Um, 
just after COVID. But you know, actually what happened was working with DIY SOS was probably the best thing to happen because I was around creative people who, mm. when I'm around my mates and stuff like that, they don't care what I do. Like mm. they, like people go get a real job and they were saying to me, not all of them, but, but, but a fair amount of them. But then I remember, I remember I was driving Baz, uh, we were in Cork and we were, driving around or something and he was just asking me about it and he was like God how's how's that going for you it looks brilliant like what you do I love it and for someone like him to say that like he could make you feel like you could be having the worst day ever and he can make you feel 10 mm. feet tall within a space of a 10 minute chat like he's he's just a brilliant person like that um, and I just remember kind of a lot of the lads at the time they were all just really supportive of what I did. And I remember just kind of going, wow, you know, actually, you know. And I was almost embarrassed when I first met them to kind of tell them what I did. Mm. I was almost kind of, I have this, I was kind of shy about it. That was only a year and a half ago. Um, and then, yeah, I remember they were like, oh, that's brilliant what you do or whatever. And then they were like, oh, you know, shoot. and then they were going around telling people what I do and stuff like that. And then I kind of became a bit more kind of, yeah, it is what I do and a bit more proud of it and mm. stuff like that. And it kind of gave me a bit more lease of life. And then I was getting... The more time was going on, the more interviews I was getting and stuff like that. And then just, um, yeah, just I think it's it kind of who you surround yourself with as well. Definitely, it's huge. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely yeah. So my massive. circle kind of changed in yeah. that sense because I was with them all the time. I was on the road and yeah. um, I remember going to a wedding with Baz and I remember him saying to me, he goes, you know, I think uh, what you're doing there is brilliant and I think it's going to be very lucrative for you one day and stuff like that. So again, you're kind of looking at someone who's been there, he's done it. Mm. Um, he's made mistakes along the way, as we all have, but uh, he's there telling you, like that he's a big fan of it and stuff like that because I don't really have any interest in Irish football but I like I like watching your stuff and I've, I've actually had a lot of people say that about me kind of just people online and, and people not not close friends but kind of just friends from a distance and they would say it's like I don't really watch football but I enjoy your interviews and stuff like that so why do you think nice. that is what do you think they like that, that they get from you that they don't necessarily get from just watching the, the usual TV I have no idea to be honest yeah. I have no idea to be honest with you Um, I just I just thought it was a very nice thing for them to say. It is lovely, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. considering uh, what was it? I was the worst thing that people watched in in some people's <laughs> eyes. So, so you're going from one to the other. But what I've kind of found it, it, in that as well is to try and if someone says that you're really good, try not to kind of believe your own hype. I think yeah. I did that for a little bit, and then if people say you're shit, don't fall into that. Trying try to say somewhere in the middle there. Exactly. And yeah. it's it's yeah. hard to find that happy yeah. medium. I think that but comes again, with experience, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I but I also avoid. Like I avoid stuff um, online. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't read like forums on because I know it's just, it's just um, and Reddit and stuff. Like that. It's just all these negative people who hide behind a lot of them are suspects. Accounts. Yeah, yeah. No, like but it's you, just like they don't have there's no face on them. yeah or their names or anything like yeah. that. You know, they, they all want a, an opinion, but they're not ballsy enough to go out yeah, there yeah. and actually give their opinion publicly. Yeah. So they like to put down people who try to. And I, I don't go around like doing clickbait or anything like that. Like I've just gone out there trying to promote Irish football and grow a brand at the same yeah. time. That's all I've been you're, trying to do. But I think you're, like, you're growing a brand through giving value. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're, again, you're getting, you're getting these little interviews with people like really, really people that I, as a football fan, I would have an interest in hearing from. And again, the angle you're coming from, I said it's not the typical standard, boring, media stuff that media stuff have to do you're coming from the fan perspective and you're asking questions that I would probably ask if I was in that situation I think that's where a lot of people relate to it and get value from it so again it's there's one thing growing a brand by 
there's, there's different ways to do it, but I think the best way you can do it is by just going out there, giving massive value to people and not really expecting anything in return. And that's essentially what you've done. And that was kind of the, the, the key to get you on today to kind of talk about this and go through this. And it's not fucking easy. No. You know what I mean? Like, again, you're doing that. You've got people trying to pull you down, as you're saying, the whole way through, even though those people haven't paid you a cent. You know, you don't owe them anything at all, but yet they're voicing their opinion. And as you said, the joys of social media, I get it myself. Um, people who don't even have the confidence to have a, their own profile picture on their page and yet they're full of this opinion, that opinion, pulling you down on that. Like I'd get a lot of comments on like if I'm doing fitness stuff or whatever and you'd get, the, like I get judged straight away in my appearance and my body shape because I'm a personal trainer and stuff like that. And again, because you're you're giving fitness a voice, that's free reign, people have to have a go with you at that. And at the start, that can shake you and upset you a bit. But then you realize, okay, look, this, if I want to grow and do what I want to do here, I'm just going to have to absorb that. And you're a great example of what you're doing is that you're not letting the haters pull you down. Like I said, you're just using it for fuel. It's not your goal to prove them wrong. It's not the ultimate goal. Your goal is to grow this brand because you believe in it and you're just using that for fuel, which I think is massive. And I think there's a lot of people who are probably... Maybe they're doing a side hustle. I think they're doing a side hustle, not necessarily going into stuff full time. I said, you mentioned there, you're quite privileged in the sense you were a bit younger. I was the same when I started my business. I was living at home. So if I failed, it wasn't the same as now. I'm married with two kids and have a mortgage. So I don't know whether I'd have the same confidence now as I did then. Maybe you have to be yeah. a bit more. Peter actually had a great um, quote about it in our, in our last uh, podcast with him, talking about starting the side hustle and learning from there and building it up. And I think anybody who's in that position, listen to this now, there's a lot of lessons there that you're mentioning, you know, I said it's people will doubt you and people will still have a go at you, even as you're doing well and growing and you're interviewing the likes of Rio Ferdinand and Gary Neville, all these people, there's still people trying to bring you down. And sometimes that maybe makes the haters hate you even more yeah. because you're having success now, you know. No, and I think there's a, as well, like people, people just, they pick out the weirdest things to criticize you about. Like, like today, obviously we're here, you have someone in the background there producing this and so well, when, I, when I when I go to uh, an interview or whatever I'm setting up a camera yeah. and I'm setting up a separate a separate um, microphone uh, and I have to make sure that's recording I have to make sure the camera's recording and I have to do the interview at the same time yeah so there's I'm a lot going to, on there, there's yeah. four things going on yeah. and you're trying to do an interview and yeah. if you look at the camera just to make sure that it's um, yeah. you're concentrating different things you can't just go yeah exactly I mean, people are going oh your interviews are terrible, this, that. It's like, hang on, well, I've got about four different things going on. If I had a cameraman there and if I was to sit behind a camera with a little notepad, like most journalists do, I said, it's actually very easy to do that, mm. what they're doing. What I'm doing is completely different. I'm, doing, I'm a cameraman, a presenter, an interviewer and um, a sound man mm. all at the same time. That's, you know, so people say, give me, like, and I'm at the press conference or I'm at other things and I actually see other people from RTE come up and asking me like oh how did you do this and how did you do that <laughs> and, so, and so I'm like kind of going right well maybe I am actually starting to get a bit of a step here because yeah. I get things done and I get them done quick and I'm usually the first one to have it out there Yeah, because I've learned little tricks that right and that kind of comes from again the lads in Toffee TV and funny I was actually over with them recently and I was giving them advice on there some stuff recently circle, so yeah. it's just funny like that yeah. like just how to add captions and yeah. stuff like that because if a young lad who started in there and he kind of helped me out with some stuff um, like a, there's a, a software I use called OBS sometimes if I'm doing like Zoom calls and stuff like that and uh, he showed me how to use it and stuff like that so I was able to give back to him then the last time I was over I think it was in May or March and uh, I was able to show him I think it was May um, and I was able to kind of show him a few bits and, so, and now they're booming brilliant. again it's great it's going to all grow together as yeah. well you know helping each other out which is brilliant and I'm sure there's a lot of crossover in terms of fans and followers like there is a well there is and they actually do one they, so the Redmen TV is a Liverpool fan and they are in the same building mm -hmm. and they've actually helped me as well and brilliant, I've done some yeah. work with them as well 
So um, I, I'm, I'm quite lucky. Like a lot of them to be on the overlap. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. And so, the, the fan uh, debates. Yeah, yeah. So Paul would, would do the um, Liverpool, excuse me, and then Baz would do Toffee TV and so So I kind of got to know a, a good few of them mm. through that as well. And, and again, all very helpful. Um, and I'd imagine a lot of the work, like obviously you have to go to people and you've interviewed them. There's a lot of time and effort getting there, setting up and doing all that. But then there's a huge amount of editing behind the scenes mm. as well that like you don't get any credit for you know and that's yeah. probably where the bulk of the work is is that the case yeah and again it's a, a one man army you yeah. know I did have a guy Gary Spain shout out Gary uh, who used to do a lot of the stuff um, as well at games and I had a few volunteers and we were starting to get volunteers going to games so they'd cover games in the League of Ireland and a lot of them were kind of getting um experience because they want to, to be journalists. Yeah. So I'd give them the access on a Friday night to go to a League of Ireland game. They'd do a couple of stories, a few bits on the, on Twitter, and then um, they would, uh, I, I had to show them basically how to edit. Now it's handy enough to do it uh, after a match. It's only a couple of minute interview. And I showed how to edit on the phone and stuff like that. So it was quick and easy and, and up pretty quick. For, for, for just for perspective, so just to kind of use the, the Rio Ferdinand and Belfast as an example. Like you got a two minute clip there that obviously would have performed really well on social media and a great thing to have associated with your brand and your page. But like when you break it down, how much work was involved for that two minute clip? Like you're traveling to Belfast, you, you're staying up there, you're setting up the camera. You said you were fighting for your two minutes the whole time yeah. you were there. Yeah. You get the clip, you come back to Dublin, you're then editing the clip, like all in your it, it, you know what I mean? Like it's it's a good probably twenty four hours work, and that's pure work to try and get all that done. Yeah, for a two minute clip of because everyone would love to meet Real Ferdinand and, and have a chat with him or whatever. But I don't think many people are willing to to go to that level just for that. Do you think? Yeah, but again, I'm, I'm I was living in that. I'm gonna prove you wrong. Yeah, and even just to get a, a picture or to have Real Ferdinand sitting there smiling, talking to me is. Is, is a win for me in a yeah. sense a small win but it's a win no it's you to have like again this is what you've set out to do is to 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 meet these people and speak to these people and give your followers access to these people which yeah. is huge you know and like is there any other like people we've mentioned a few big names there is there anyone else that's kind of stood out for you any highlights you've had Redknapp recently um, Harry yeah yeah, Red, yeah. so uh, Redknapp he seems like a, like a proper character alright what, what was that like he was just he was in Port Marnock wasn't he doing the the um, just, Q&A no, well, oh, sorry, he was, yeah. yeah. So, is that when you met him or was it a different time? I met him that night. Audio issues. Um, and we I had, thought you'd learned your lessons. I thought so. <laughs> my mic was on, his mic wasn't. Right. It would have been fine if my mic wasn't on. Um, we were out there or whatever and I had these wireless mics and for some reason it wasn't picking up on the camera but it told me on the camera it was. Okay. So it's hard to kind of, and I didn't have a cameraman with me. I had a guy with me but he didn't know how to use anything and he was just coming along to meet Redknapp. Um, <laughs> So we we went in and we were working with the guys who were run the, running the event or whatever. And we just said, again, like the Darren Randolph thing, can we get a couple of bits and we'll help promote it for you, you know. So we did that and we got f 10, 15 minutes with Harry just beforehand. And he was just a legend. He was very sound. Um, and yeah, he couldn't have been any more nice. And I went back and I said, that looks class. The background, everything looked yeah. deadly. I brought down the lights and I had everything perfect. And then, yeah, I went back and listened to it. And I remember going, I don't think I can really hear him that well. And this was just before he was going out on the stage. And I was like, I don't think he can. I was like, he's not going to let me do it again. And then uh, I went back and I listened to it last night, uh, that night. And I was like, you know, going yeah. mad. Al Foran, you know the comedian? Yeah. So he was out playing golf with him that day. And I just said to him, Al, I totally understand if you say no. day after. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. So I had actually had a match that day. Mm. And um, I remember... And I said to him, look, 
I, I know if you're going to say no, no problem. But the audio was a disaster on that podcast. Can, can I go back back out, ask the same questions? It'd be no different. And I'll come to you wherever you are. And he goes, let me find out. So I remember waiting all day. I didn't hear back from him. I went and played my match. I said, it doesn't matter. I actually played unbelievable that day. I don't know why. I've, I've been injured quite a little. And I played that day. I was just hot, like full of confidence. Uh, and then I got injured in the second half, came off the pitch. And then I was on my phone. And I was like... Uh, nothing back from all yet so I was like oh, okay that's not, that's not gonna happen he rings me at like two minutes later as I'm and I'm on one leg at this stage like hobbling he's like if you can get out to Port Marnock in half an hour the golf club we can we can get something so I went back got my car no no so I was in the shower and then I rang him so I shower on and it's like I'm in the shower I'll, I'll be there and then I, I got there anyway um, and I remember being on the M50 and my dog got out on the road my mate was ringing me he said your dog's out on the road and I'm like <laughs> oh no so I'm on my way I'm on the motorway uh, at the airport almost going towards Port Marnock and uh, he goes yeah but the dog is out he's trying to catch the, the cat up the tree and I was like oh can, look whatever can you just please, please deal sort with it yeah, I, I, I can't do anything about it right now and I got out there and I got everything set up and I made sure that nothing was going wrong and I got a brilliant interview with Harry Redknapp. What a chance to let you do it again. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that, he was just cool about it. Like there was no issues. Like, And he's famous. He doesn't need to do anything. Exactly, like, yeah, yeah. And twice as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was he was dead cool. And the clips off that went completely viral. Like yeah. there was two or three of them that went completely viral. And uh, yeah, and I started kind of getting taken a bit more seriously then mm. again. So again, I have the portfolio there of, of those three names alone. We're kind of get you in different yeah, if places. Yeah, you know? someone else. So, you have to drop those clips and mention those people. Yeah, and then I was doing some stuff recently, and um, I had a funny clip there with Eddie Hearn on my own personal thing because my, yeah. my mate was uh, asking me to do. He set up a boxing YouTube channel similar to cool, IFF, yeah. well, off the off the back of kind of the success of IFF TV, and uh, he was like, "Oh, is there? Do do you fancy going to this press conference tomorrow?" And then I said, "Yeah, I go." If you want me to ask questions, but you just send me a list uh, of what you want me to ask, because it's just his audience. I'm yeah. just a talker, yeah. really. So I remember Eddie Hearn comes up and he's the minute I start talking, he just goes, "You look like Calvin Harris." You know the way he kind of <laughs> just says stuff to throw people <laughs> off. off. Yeah, yeah. So I had a back and forth, funny little clip with him, and um, that that uh, I sent that to a lot of people. It's on my Instagram. It's quite funny. And then I did an interview with Katie Taylor, and uh, I just remember thinking, God, like. This is another person who I absolutely love Massive, and it's yeah, great yeah. to be in front of and a chat. So I've been very lucky in terms of who I interviewed. I actually had a Martin O'Neill on. Um, he was promoting his book at the start of the year and he doesn't really speak to any Irish yeah. media. So I managed to get him on and I'm kind of friendly with him now, That's which was class, brilliant. Yeah. So Because again, I loved Martin O'Neill as Celtic days and um, obviously it, it it didn't go too well towards the back end of Ireland, but the Euros was a brilliant yeah, time. Yeah, you know? I got to go to I went to Paris and to Bordeaux to see the games, and their memories I'll never forget in 2016. They're amazing. Yeah, again, and I think that's uh, yeah, but a lot of people kind of shut them down for the way it ended. Mm. And I just I, I've kind of been lucky. Like I remember around the time I had Martin O'Neill, I, I had a, another podcast of my own, but I stopped doing it. And I had Paulie Malinagi on and stuff like that. So I was getting a lot of people that weren't just football. Um, and obviously then through the DIY SOS, I was meeting other people outside of um, just football and stuff yeah. like that. So I was doing different bits. I did Dear Gavin on a podcast as well. And uh, I was just kind of interviewing different people. So it was cool just to kind of get that experience. And now I'm not really as overawed when I meet a famous yeah, person. Just show, like, this is all in the space of, what, we're five years into the show? Uh, yeah. Six. Okay. 
Yeah, because it was started this year. Okay, cool. So just to kind of bring it back to where we're at now. So you've actually, you're at a point now where you mentioned there earlier in the podcast that um, something big is actually brewing with the page. So you're like, you're, you're bringing it up to, this is something that you've really done. You've built a brand, but yet, as you said, you've been kind of having a lot of um, jobs in the background with this. So where are we at now? Where is the page at the moment? Um, well, I've had a pretty horrendous year. So um, it, when Ireland played France in, in March, uh, that morning uh, my mom fell ill and I found her. And basically um, I had to bring her to, I, I, basically I found her in the bathroom and then I had to kind of um, get her back unconscious. She'd fall and she had a, a brain aneurysm. And then, uh, what was it? Um, I had to get the ambulance and, and everything like that. And she was in a coma for three weeks from, from that point. And uh, she died then on the 20th of April. So it was three weeks in and out of Beaumont, praying, hoping that, uh, Sorry to hear that, that, that she would, uh, that she would um, survive. Um, but as time went on, uh, we never got any good news in the end, which we were praying like literally for three weeks. So, um, yeah, off the back of that, then uh, I was just like, I need to take a break from the channel. Yeah. Uh, and I remember putting it out there saying I'm taking a break or whatever. And then a month later, Harry happened. So yeah. I couldn't not do that. Yeah, it was, it was too good enough. So kind of almost threw me back into it, mm. you know. Um, and I know my mom, I remember telling her that I was getting Harry Redman. And I remember actually the day before, the day before she fell, because uh, we were playing France that day. It was the first game I missed in six years of covering the channel, a home game. And uh, sorry. Uh, Take it on. Um, the, so, so France, sorry, we're in town and Mbappe was uh, doing the press conference in the Aviva. So I got to go to that and stuff. And I remember not, not really wanting to go uh, to it because my football team basically that night on the Saturday had taken me out. I didn't want to go out. Like I just went up to say hello to them or whatever. And before I knew it, like I remember I drove up to the pub so I wouldn't drink. Mm. As soon as I sat down, point, 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 point. And before the night, we were out till four or five in the morning. And then I remember waking up the next day on the Sunday and then uh, it was coming towards three or four o'clock. I think the press conference was at five. I said, yeah. you know what? I'm going to go and do it. I think it's a good chance to get Mbappe on Irish Football Fan yeah, TV. It's brilliant. amazing, yeah. So he, I got the press conference. Um, audio issue again, would you believe? Um, it was these mics. I ha I, I've sorted them out since. But anyway. I won't ask you to name the type of mics because they're not getting a great... Wire, wireless go. No, well, the, 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 yeah. If you, you, I don't know what... I reset the settings on my camera and everything was fine since. But uh, I remember he was sitting there with the press off, or, yeah, with the press officer for the France, France national team. And he was sitting there and he was asking... And he answered some questions about Evan Ferguson. And that again, there's like 2 million views on TikTok and stuff and things were just booming. Mm. And I remember just being really happy and um, Virgin, um, Virgin would often kind of use our content oh, on, yeah. on there. On, yeah. And obviously I work in there occasionally as well. But uh, so I remember being in the training and I was getting videos inside the Aviva of Mbappe, Griezmann and all the French players who, who were literally in the World Cup final. Yeah, it's amazing back. access to see yeah. them up close. I and um, I remember came home, I came home and I was telling my mom all about that and I was yeah. showing her all. And we were, like, I remember uh, we were just laughing and joking to ourselves and uh, 
um, that was kind of a, it was a lovely memory to, for us to kind of have. It was our kind of last proper memory because when I got her back on conscious, she didn't know who I was or anything yeah. like that. It was I, for that, my family's sake, I don't want to go into the ambulance and all that. No, type no, stuff, there's but, no need to at all, buddy. That's but uh, the your business. The I remember I was I had a bit of kind of man flu on this on the Sunday. I think might have been a hangover as well. But I remember asked was there tablets or something like that, like just a um, pan ball or something. Yeah. And she was like, "Oh yeah, it's uh, downstairs in the." drawer or whatever and I remember going up to bed early or whatever and then uh, she came up to bed and she goes did you ever get those tablets and I said no I couldn't find them I just, I just didn't look uh, just being lazy uh, and then she came up and she threw the tablets on my bed and she was like oh there's the tablets that uh, there's the tablets that weren't there and started laughing so that's kind of our, our last kind of kind of memory but she got to see like the, the pretty much the whole journey up, up until that's that really point that's really special yeah yeah and she she backed it like as well you know so it wasn't like a lot of people would say to me, oh, you don't work and you don't do this. But she was always like, believed in what I was doing. And I was very proud of, if I got interviews and stuff like that. And a couple of weeks before that, sorry to go off. Um, I met Katie Taylor. I was yeah. I was actually at a thing with Katie Taylor, but I didn't interview her. Yeah. So I met her, I got a picture with her and she was just so happy that I met her because she loved Katie Taylor. And she just, um, she just loved seeing me meeting all these people and yeah. stuff like that. And she was just so proud. It's amazing, yeah. Because my my dad, I don't think we said this. I think I said it to you off air. But my dad died when I was twenty. Okay. So he never got to see any of this. Yeah. So that was a something that always kind of got to me a bit. Yeah. Because I always wanted him. To, he would have loved seeing me doing what I'm doing. Proud, yeah. He'd be unbelievably proud. But uh, yeah. So then I lost both parents then when I was thirty-two. Yeah, that's really tough. Yeah. And just to bring it back, I think there's something really poignant there that for your mom following your whole journey the whole way through. I think there's something very special that the last kind of football chat you had involved you having access to probably arguably the biggest player in the world right now in Mbappe for something that you started only a few years ago and like yeah. you had no access to any footballers that like again her last memory of you talking about your what you're doing so far is with arguably the biggest player in, in the game now so that's an incredible yeah. journey from from where you started to where you're at and I said you're only just really getting started with this aren't you? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, I know you kind of, I went a bit off point there, but... No, it was, that was great. It was really good to get the insight. Um, so, yeah, so just the way life's been and stuff like that, and, uh, you know, now every all, all the bills kind of fall under my name and stuff like that now, and I can't live like I'd been living, mm. um, paycheck to paycheck, getting the odd freelance jobs here and there, sponsorships here and there. Um, so now um, we're in the midst of being taken over. It's fantastic, so, yeah. And at the same time, I'll get a job out of it and I'll be producing content and make content. I probably won't be on screen as much, um, but I'll be working with all, you know, different types of athletes, um, ce but, uh, celebrities maybe you want to call them. Yeah. But big names, um, and obviously I'll still be within Irish football and stuff like that. Amazing. I don't tend to get away from that. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to. Um, but basically... Irish football fan TV will, won't that name won't be around anymore, but it will live on yeah. through the new thing. I don't want to name it because um, you're still in the process, so I know you, you can't say too much just yet. Yeah. But basically, a company has been following your journey the whole way through. Liked what you've done, has seen the brand you've built, and have now gone and bought you out. And now you're going to be working with them, still doing a lot of the work that you're doing. Yeah. Well, well one of one of the main points was that they're hiring me kind of for the work that I've done, yeah. and they're kind of just acquiring Irish football fan TV. Yeah. Um, so like if I was to go and give it to someone else to be kind of a competitor so it wouldn't really make sense Yeah. so it's kind of been a, a, a double kind of 
thing there. So what a journey that is. Like again, you're only 32. There's a lot more to come. 33 now, but it was 32 at the time. So that was uh, April. But there's so much more to come from you. And it just shows you like in the space of, we're talking that six year block, what you started with to where you've got to. And now I said, what was just a hobby and people laughing at you saying, you're never going to make something of this. You've literally just, you're in the process of being bought out and you're going to have like a job of your absolute dreams going forward while still being able to do what you've done. Yeah, and, and and I suppose money coming in the door to actually, I might even be able to get a holiday now. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but Straight like, down to the travel agent. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but the, I suppose, I've gone about it the opposite way to other people. Yeah. So people would generally start with money. Yeah. Build a following. I've built a following and now I'm trying to get the money. Class, to, yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's no, there's no right or wrong way though, is there? Yeah, but like, if I was speaking to someone who wanted to follow my route, I wouldn't tell them to do it. Yeah. Because I know you have to have a certain sort of mindset to do it. And you also have to have the certain people back in your corner like my mom did. Yeah. Like, I'm not so sure. It would it, have been a thing I, I'd been able to do, like if, if what had happened to her a year previous, whatever, you know. But what, uh, what I hope from our conversation today is I'd have a lot of people given the fact it's bulletproof that a lot of guys and ladies listen to this who are parents. And no doubt a lot of them may not fully understand social media and how it can be turned in, turned into an actual job or a business. Hopefully by listening to your story today, that might give some parents who maybe they might, might not go for themselves, but it might give them some understanding and perspective. So when their child maybe comes to them in the future saying they want to be, whether it's YouTube or whatever it is, that maybe they can have a little bit of patience and do what your mom did for you. Yes, well, I would agree because I don't think my dad would have. Like me and my dad, like when I was in school, I was a messer. I was, I was a class clown. Pretty sure I, I have ADHD. I was just never diagnosed with yeah. it. But I'm, I think I'm, most people in, at this table have probably like not even just my podcast, but everybody else. I think most people, we probably all have a touch of it and some more so. I think it. creative people. Yeah. Um, it's how you channel it. Rory Stories was, had a great conversation about that with me here about that. He, he was diagnosed, but he said he just channels it a different way now and he thinks it's a superpower as opposed to a... Uh, as opposed to a handicap. It can be. You, you use energy to, to your benefit. Um, as I did with the the comments. Mm. I was like, fuel, right, let's use it this way. Um, but my, me and my dad, like, um, we were only starting to kind of form a relationship and then suddenly he just passed. Mm. And uh, I was, yeah, as I said, I was 20. So our relationship where he would just normally be kind of he wanted me to do something, but I never knew what I wanted to do. Even when I came back from Canada, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I, I it, it, it was a hobby and a passion and it became an obsession to make this, you know, uh, a viable thing. And I, I remember always, everyone always said to me, how do you make money on How I was well, through sponsorship yeah. and through this and I'll that. Figure that out and as I, I go. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That, was my, that was my kind of attitude. And I was like, I'm not, I don't care about what other people have to say about me or whatever, like they don't know anything about me. Like they see what I do, but they don't know my private life or anything about it. They don't know what demons I'm battling. They don't know, you know, they just don't know anything, you know. Um, so I said like, I don't ask other people how much money they're making. So why should they know about mine? Whatever. Now obviously they'll know now, but I don't really, I don't really care. Like, Because I do hope that it does inspire other people that no matter what you work hard and you work your ass off there will be somewhat of an opportunity for you but it also can be timing mm. like at the moment I think if anyone listening to this now they would go the timing is perfect for me to go to that next stage now mm. perfect timing but I think you've earned that though you've earned your luck along the way yeah yeah but that's what I mean is that you just keep working hard and opportunities will come but don't ever knock an opportunity away 
Like you might think doing an interview with someone who's not a big, a big of a name uh, is not worthwhile. But then that might open another door. They might know someone and go, oh, you should do something. Mm. You know, that's how a lot that's of works, things yeah. have worked for me. It's just spiral. Mm. Like it's like, oh, maybe you should do this. And I just hate being told what to do, but people, you should do this. Someone says to me, maybe you should do this. I'll listen. Yeah, if yeah. someone goes, you should do this, you should do that. I said, no, sorry. The arms fall uh, straight away. What's that? The arms fall straight away. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's, just, it's not like to be arrogant or, or anything like that. It's just, I don't tell you how to run your gym. You know what yeah. I mean? And if you had someone coming in and telling you, you'd just be like, no. No, nah, you have to be careful. Like again, you're running a business. You do want to be open to feedback. and But you also have to be clever where you take it from. Like I'm sure if the guys in Toffee TV, when you were in your early days especially, said you should, your ears open up and you listen. Whereas if it's someone who's never done anything like you're doing right now and they're just well, it's, well, feedback, well it's in a sense, story. yeah, but you have to be kind of aware of, of, of maybe what you're doing and if you, what you're doing wrong. I was aware. Mm. I was like asking questions like, how could I do this better? How could I do that better? It wasn't the case of them coming to me going, you should do this mm, because they they didn't need to. Yeah. You know, they're busy enough doing their, their own, own thing. thing yeah. So I was just like, it'd be more kind of from a production point of view, I wanted to make it look better. I wanted to look shitty. Mm. I'm quite a perfectionist in that sense. I always like our visuals to look really clean yeah. and good and good lighting and good sound. But that, that, but again, that took learnings and it also took investment. And I said, this, it's easy to get sponsorship and go off and buy a trendy car or do whatever, or go on holidays and do things like that. You put it into the business and you kept growing and growing. And it's yeah. got you to the point you're at now, which is phenomenal. Paul, look, we could keep going for, for ages. We've actually barely even talked about football and Irish football when you think about it. But it was a fascinating conversation. And fair play to you. I genuinely think you're a true inspiration for anybody who is working on side hustle, has a passion. They, they know what they like, but they just don't know how to maybe turn it into a career just yet. I think they'll take a lot of inspiration from today. Well, uh, I hope so. And uh, yeah, thanks very much. I've really enjoyed it. So uh, yeah, it's probably the first podcast I've done in a long time, to be honest. Good man. But, very yeah, thanks very much. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of the Bulletproof Dad podcast. If you found Paul's story inspirational, spread the good word, drop the link into the WhatsApp group, let your mates know about it, especially if they're football fans, especially if they're trying to set up their own business, if they're setting up a side hustle. There's so many lessons in here. Paul's story was phenomenal. Spread the good word and let's see where we can take this podcast. 